0: Uh, thank you, uh, Mr. Koshik, for coming on the show. Thanks a lot. Uh, so we'll directly get in and uh, start to know that uh, you are, as a director, on many uh, at many companies. So uh, I wanted to ask, uh, at what time did you start feeling that, yes, I'm made for business? And what was your first business?
1: I... So before I got into the family business, uh, I used to play tennis. Uh, that's all i did till i was 21. okay probably i mean that, that's pretty much what i did i homeschooled from 8th to 12th okay and post that it was 15 16 hour days on the tennis court so that's pretty much all i did when i was 21 that's when i kind of decided i'm done with tennis and i was trying to figure out what i want to do yeah i was in the us at that point uh, i actually didn't believe i was good at anything else. Other than tennis, I actually thought if tennis didn't work out, I wouldn't succeed in life. I, there's nothing else left for me to do. So I took three months off. I traveled around the US uh, backpacked. Okay. And uh, because I was doing my own trip, I didn't want to spend my dad's money, so I started working. Okay. So I bartended, I mowed lawns, I catered and waited in restaurants, I coached tennis. And actually made more money than I, in those three months than I do today as well. <laughs> so I had fun. I met a lot of people. And I the thing was, when I did that travel, it was about meeting people and talking to them. Okay. So I started meeting a lot of uh, business people. And a lot of them started offering me jobs while I was there. There was a interesting shift in my head saying, hey, maybe there's some value. Maybe I actually do know something. And I was only curious. I was only asking the right questions, probably at that point but because i asked the right questions they felt this guy can add value because he's actually asking the right questions about our business
0: so uh, what are those right questions that you did ask them
1: i don't remember to be honest it was i was just trying to understand so it was digging deeper for me to figure out what i want to do or what i would like i just met a lot of people a lot of strangers had conversations with them it was about what's uh I mean, honestly, just figuring it, figuring it out. When they told me about something, I was curious. Just being curious, I think. Be as curious as you can to absorb as much information. Yeah. I usually got one hour with anybody, and these were, and because I was coaching tennis, I got lucky. I met CEOs of large companies, right? And you only get that one hour with these people. And the one hour, how much information could I take off them was my goal. So I asked those questions and that kind of things. So, and then those three months, I came back. The goal was to just start working. Dad, granddad wanted me to come back, so I said, okay, I'll come back for a bit. I said, I'll work for one year and then leave for my and go to my master's. Never left. <laughs> so, yeah, so I think.
0: Yeah. So, what was your first business that when you came back you started with?
1: I got into the hospitality side. We were uh, renovating an existing property and constructing a new property in Whitefield. Okay. And uh, my brother was actually looking at the Whitefield property. He left for his master, so there's nobody looking at that. And there were a lot of issues with that property, so got in into that as a project manager, manager kind of role. Okay. And yeah, and then pretty much had to do everything. So that was kind of interesting. So from literally a mason to the CFO role, I played all those roles in that project. So it kind of gave me a wide breadth of understanding how to run a business, I think, or how to create something. So you
0: also have a startup uh, which is into uh, fleet management, uh, IntelliCar. So uh, talk to me about how did you come up with that idea and how it started?
1: So I was... So while I was with the family business, I kept... I always wanted to do something on my own. Uh, One of the challenges in a family business is you're always overshadowed. Whatever you do is never perceived as you doing it as that's a, it was always something that I had to prove I felt. So I started, I did multiple things by myself, but the challenge was I could never fully do whatever I wanted to do because I had to balance this as well. And I struggled, and I did three, four startups before that, uh, which I couldn't take it through. I don't think it failed necessarily because of a bad idea or bad execution, I, maybe execution. It's just I couldn't give it enough time. Mm-hmm. So. I was always there that I wanted to do something. Then a friend of mine was looking out for a job. He said, hey, do you want to do something? And uh, he's an automotive engineer. And one of the things that I was picking up at that point was IoT, data analytics, was just starting out. That was something that I said, hey, maybe there's something we can do. And luckily, cars already had all the sensors. Unlike yeah. other industries where you had to build in sensors, the machines had to come in with new sensors. This, uh, with vehicles, they were already all the sensors existed. All you had to do is figure out how to extract that data. So yeah, we got together and said, hey, let's start this out. Two of us started in 2000. I and mean, we started talking in 2014, 2015. Early 2015 is when we started. We, the funny story is we, so we didn't know what the market would want. No. We didn't build any product. We had everything on a white paper. We, managed to get a meeting with uh, VRL Logistics hmm. out Hubli. So we went there. At the end of it, the guy sent, walked, we walked out with a purchase order and a check in hand. Just with had, a piece, with of, piece paper. of paper. And we had yeah. no idea. Had, so now we were, we obviously, told him a good story, and he bought <laughs> it. And now it was, okay, how do we actually execute this? And we had to do it very quickly. And it was just two of us. And then neither of us were coders as well. So we went, figured out, we hacked a few things, put it in, made it look like it worked and we built a team after that with the money that we got from them.
0: So uh, when did you know that, uh, was it just the commitment of money from someone that made you serious about this business or uh, is there any other element to it which you think is a potential right thing to do to this startup
1: we were serious but we were not sure exactly how to go about it while we had the large idea of what need what needs to be done we didn't have the finer details we didn't take all the crosses the i's and t's we were still figuring out okay what should happen how do we do this do we build our own hardware is it a pure software play does hardware exist we've done a few tests from it picked up some devices from China, from the US, from Europe. So we were just testing it. We didn't know. We went to that meeting to figure out what does the customer want. Okay. Do we can we understand what the customer wants so we can go and build that. Really, we went in with that aim. But the guy said, hey, I'll give you guys a shot and go ahead. Let's see what you can do deliver with it. So that's very much.
0: So uh, you said that you uh, had worked on three other startups before uh, starting IntelliCar. I wanted to know, uh, when did you feel that, yes, this is the right idea, uh, or yes, this is the one that will make me money, or this is the thing that, that I want to do? And what was that with the other three startups that it wasn't about this startup as particular?
1: I don't well, I don't think you go in saying, this is going to make me money. I think that's the wrong way to start anything because invariably those don't work. Uh, The idea is there's a problem statement. You look at it and say, is somebody having a problem? Can I solve it? That's really how we went about doing uh, what with IntelliCar. We said there's a problem statement. VRL wasn't necessarily our first customer, the real customer we were targeting, where we just got lucky with them. But we looked at uh, the market as such. That was when Zoom Car and all of these guys were kicking in. The idea was uh, you're renting out cars to random strangers, and India being the market it is, people are not going to take care of your vehicle. And we personally had taken those cars. We damaged everything in the car, returned it. They normally penalize you if there's an external damage. Internal damages, they have no idea who did it. So we went, we actually, that was our second customer. We went, we attached a device, we damaged the clutch, the brake, everything inside, returned the car, didn't get penalized even a penny, went to the CEO of uh, ZoomCar and said, hey, I think you guys need us. And that's how we got the second contact. So you kind of see there's a problem. That was, that was the real customer we were looking for, the self-drive market. Yeah. If you look at Vogo, Bounce and all these guys today, That was when it was starting off And we said we know these guys will need Something to be monitored on the internal side Because external damages anyone can see But actually internal damages cost you a lot more You don't realize how much you're spending on that And if we can monitor that We can monetize that That's really the problem statement we saw And we said this is how we go about So we said there's a need and there's a way to solve that
0: Also uh, even in the businesses Nowadays uh, more people think In saving the bottom line Rather than having a top line of their own So, yes, uh, there is a need in terms of uh, finding those solutions for companies to have their bottom line uh, cost saved. Uh, So, again, that comes under loss aversion as well. Uh, People are more concerned about what not to lose uh, rather than to gain something. So uh, what is it that for when you uh, have a startup, when you do something? Even entrepreneurs have that uh, loss aversion uh, prospect in their mind. What is that gain factor or what, even though they go through losses and yet they tend to stick to it, what is that gain factor uh, for any startup out there or what is it for you?
1: I think it's a combination. I don't think there's one answer to that. I think it depends on every company and where they are or what stage they are at. Uh, It's a different answer. So I don't think there's one single answer that could work for that. But it's a combination. Sometimes... If you're making those losses, sometimes it's good to shut it down and move on. So you need to really look at it and say, how far can we go? And when is that turning point? And can I hold it also? Sometimes not everyone has the money to back it till it can grow. Sometimes you do. And you you know it's going to make that turn. And sometimes you say, maybe it'll never make money. You should I think you need to take a step back. A lot of times when you're in it, yeah. You really believe in it. And if you see a lot of yeah. people, they crazily believe in something. Yeah. And even if it's really stupid, they continue to be. And sometimes it's hard to get out and you don't realize it when you're in it.
0: So what is the fine line of understanding, yes, I should stop now and start something new? What is that fine line there?
1: Again, there's no single answer. Yeah. Sometimes that silver lining is right there and you have to keep chasing it. And it happens after sometimes. And sometimes... Honestly, there's no real uh, there's no real right answer. But if you believe in it strongly and you're able to take a step back and review it, right. and there are good advisors and mentors out there, and if you can get that from the consensus of people, not just individually, by yourself, uh, I think that's a good time I mean, to have somebody come in, take a look at your thing and say, hey, it looks good. And I think if you do these five things, stick on Forex number of days longer, maybe there's a way to solve it, and then you continue doing it. I think it's hard to take that call by yourself uh, when you're in it. Uh,
0: so in the course of uh, running all of these companies, uh, there might be uh, failures that you have, that you may have faced as well. So what were uh, the top two, three maybe learnings from each of those failures? And what basically for any new entrepreneur, what are those
1: uh common mistakes that at least someone should avoid? I think one is habits. Uh, can you constantly keep changing them when you realize there's mistakes? It's very easy. I mean, once you get used to a particular thing, it's very difficult to step back and realign yourself very quickly. Uh, I think that's something that I've had to do multiple times. Uh, mm-hmm. I've had to change various aspects in myself and who I am over the years. And it's hard a lot of times. hard a lot of times. You believe what you're doing is right and this is the best way to do it. Uh, but sometimes you need to take a hard stance and change. And sometimes you may not even like doing it, but you end up having to do it. So I think being okay with that has taken me a lot of time. Uh, a lot of things that I felt I shouldn't have to do uh, one of the things is, I think I still struggle firing people. <laughs> I I really struggle with it, and a lot of times I've made that mistake of having people longer than they should have been, yep. and it's not just bad for me; it's been bad for them as well. Actually, have it lost them time and I, where they could have succeeded somewhere else where they should have gone. So keeping them, it affected me, uh, just because I wanted to be the nice guy and say, yeah, hey, you don't know how to fire a person and. So some of these things you you learn over time, and I've made that mistakes, yeah. that mistake multiple times, and I still struggle with it. But at least now, and like, okay, now it needs to get done. Uh, so you get it done. But like I said, it's usually better for both people at that point. But it took me a long time to realize that. Okay. The initial stage, I thought I'm I'm spoiling or I'm affecting them. So you know what? I'll figure out how to support them while it's not working out. But then I realized a lot of time, a lot of times we've left in good end, and they've actually succeeded much better. So I think that's something that you've got to do. I think that's really, there's no general answer, but like I said, the answer is learning how to evolve quickly, looking at your mistakes and saying, hey, maybe that's not the best way. Take those hard stances and change.
0: So uh, also coming from a family which has a huge background in business, is there a constant pressure to maintain the legacy?
1: Yes, there is some some level of pressure, but I think I've been fairly fortunate where they've given me my freedom as well. They've allowed me to grow. They've given me the freedom to do what I want within obviously a certain boundary, but the boundaries <laughs> have been big enough that I've got to play with it. It's not been so set that I had to just follow the line, I don't think I would have survived in an environment like that. So I've been fairly fortunate where well, the pressures was there. I think I've been given enough freedom to figure, figure out how I want to do or how I want to create my own space within that. So I think that's been fairly okay. Uh,
0: what are the few uh, business uh, lessons that uh, you have learned from your dad and your granddad?
1: Very different. Two different entities. My granddad was extremely cute. Uh, I mean, one of those people who could walk into a room, whether it's a two-year-old, whether it's a 80-year-old, he could have a conversation as though he was the same age. He could very quickly change and adapt to a particular location. I think he was successful mainly because of that. I think he's... Uh... My dad, on the other hand, he's not so much on that side, a people's person, but he's someone who I enjoy more intellectually in terms of thinking of how do we solve larger problems. So he, someone it's not very hands-on on the ground. He's somebody that I can have conversations about larger pictures, how, how do we really solve large issues of the society. So there's different, different sets of skill sets that I've picked up from both of them, and I think it's been very fun, yeah. Do
0: you schedule those meetings with your dad for learning these business lessons?
1: (laughs) No, I think it's just been by being around. I don't meet him very much, both of us. I actually don't get much time with them, but because of meetings, while you're in meetings, you kind of observe uh, various things. Magnet traffic is the best place to have conversations. I think you have three hours stuck yeah. in traffic, so that's usually where the conversations happen.
0: Okay. Uh, l- let us talk about your uh, latest venture, uh, Atria University. What is the concept of Atria University?
1: Common, so, I think personally, I didn't enjoy school or college.
0: Um, I I second that.
1: I didn't... And I felt it was a lot of waste of time. Uh, And it also... Like I said, when when I finished playing tennis, I didn't believe I was good at anything else because my marks were never good. So society made me believe I'm not as smart as the guy's getting better marks or whatever else and probably you'll not succeed. This is a conceived notion that unfortunately the traditional education system is. And when I got the opportunity to start working here, I never wanted that to be, I mean, I was on this side of the fence and I hated it. Why am I running an institute that's doing the same thing? Uh, You're not really doing anything different. So the last few years, I'm sure you guys have seen it, a few things, I've been trying experiments, trying to see how to make it fun, how to actually make education, education, actually a space where you learn, because you're spending eight hours a day. Um, Also, things have changed. Earlier, memorization was critical. If you memorize stuff, you could do well. Actually, even in business, even in work, you didn't really have to change very much. You knew something really well, uh, and you practiced it, and it worked. But today's day and age, everything's changing so quickly. Uh, You can't be specialized in one thing. So even if you've spent four years just doing one thing with horseshoe uh, blinders, uh, very difficult to succeed because the robots will do that better than you. Um, so you look at all of those things and say, okay, well, how should a new age learning system look like? And that's really the premise of uh, what ATRI anniversary is gonna do. Okay. The idea is to make people a lot more cross-disciplinary, have a large understanding of things. Uh, to how to pick up skill sets, hmm. because like I said, you have to, technology is gonna change very quickly. Right. I mean, last year it was Bitcoin, this year something else. There's always, things are gonna change so quickly uh, that you need to adapt. Unfortunately, today's um, society or today's kids who are gonna get into the job world over the next few years, are going to have to pretty much probably acquire a new skill set every year. And how do you pick up those skill sets? Because I don't think any university, in those four years, you're going to be relevant at the end of the four years with whatever I teach you. So the idea is, can we teach them enough to be able to learn quickly? There's information available online. Uh, You can just giving them the skill sets of how to learn, how to use it. Um, how to interact with people I think that's something that's going away because of digitization how do you communicate and how do you ethically and sustainably do a lot of these things I think that these are the premise of the education curriculum over the four years if I can get people to look at these four five skill sets not necessarily a particular subject I think we'll make successful uh, people at the end of it I think that's really what the premise of Atria University is?
0: So for a student, uh, right now, all the Indian students, uh, they hate to go to college, uh, which is very clear. So they uh, sort to online courses. Uh, They do certifications online, and that's what they think, yes, this is the right thing to do. In midst of that, uh, when a university is, uh, like Atria University, is coming up with the concept that, yes, uh, you come in. Uh, that you explore your options and in your second year you choose which majors you want to do are these uh, are the Indian uh, students as such, are they ready for something like this
1: I think so, I think doing anything that's slightly better than what the education system today is, you'll solve a big chunk of the problem itself uh, but yes it's new I think people need to understand what they're getting into, I think We've spoken to a lot of kids. We've gone to 250 schools over the last three months. And we've personally engaged with a lot of, uh, and the kids are excited. I think it's about educating the society that something like this can work. And also telling them that the traditional system, you're going eight hours a day, you're really picking up maybe one hour of information. So there's a lot of waste of time. I think if we can engage in those eight hours, you're one better off. To, it is new. It is new. It is going to take us time to get this information out. It is going to take one or two batches of people coming out of this to really show the others that it works. But there's no right answer. I think online is a great way to learn, but yeah. not everyone can learn online. Absolutely. If you actually look at the percentage of people who actually complete online courses, it's less than 2%. And that's because there's no real end goal with it. It's just trying to pick up a skill set and very few people are that focused that they can do it themselves. And that's why a physical space is required. Otherwise, I don't think physical spaces are required if there was something else. I think people Mm -hmm. need uh, mentorship. They need human contact. I think unless you do that, not everyone can stick to something. It's... A very distracted online market which you can get lost right. very easily what should i do how long should i do it will it work am i doing the right things in a physical space we can solve all of that and i think that's what's going to happen and a large chunk of what we are going to do in this physical space actually physical space is mainly for what you need in terms of labs and all of that yeah. a lot of your classes actually are going to be online there's not going to be too much of classroom teaching we are actually saying less than 10% of your time over the four years is going to be sitting in a classroom. The remaining 90%, you're actually going to be out there on the field, either creating something, starting your own company, engaging, interacting. That's actually going to be 90% of what uh, your curriculum is going to look like.
0: That's that's actually a need right now for all of us. Uh, Basically, in my engineering, I wanted a curriculum like this. But uh, yeah. This is something which is uh, very exciting for any student out there. Uh, so, uh, Atria University, Intellicar, Atria Power, uh, Chalukya Hotels, all of these companies, all of the companies you take a major part in decision making, how do you manage your time? So, I, I want to know how does your day look like?
1: I have no idea. <laughs> it's a lot of, unfortunately, I'm not. It may sound like I am very well organized, I am not. And there is a lot of firefighting that I do which I would like to move away from. I think there is a better way to plan and schedule a day. But one thing that I think I have learned to be very good at is switch on and switch off from one place to the other. I think Bangalore traffic helps in that as well. But ability to go from a really shitty meeting (laughs) when the fire is falling down the next place where you have to solve something else yep. you can't carry that baggage, you can't be thinking about that, otherwise you're going to be inefficient in every place. So, I think I've managed to do that well and I've been very successful because of that. I don't think my scheduling has been great. I do fall off the tax many times and I've had people call me up and, and I am still late for meetings unfortunately uh, which I'd like to change but like I said I think I do some things well and there's, some, there's still a long way to go in terms of I think perfecting running all of this.
0: So, uh, one last question would be if not being the chief operation officer of the Atria group, what else would you be?
1: I don't know, I think. And I would like to say I would like to be a professional tennis player, but I am not good at it anymore, so no.
0: Ah, it
1: is a tough one. I think I am getting. To do the things that I like here, so it's it's been it's been fun. Uh, one thing, maybe travel. I don't know. That's a, I know it's a typical answer. Yeah. Where I don't get to travel as much as I like to or I used to. So I think that's the only thing that I think that's missing right now.
0: Uh, thank you. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. Good luck uh, with Atria University. I definitely think that yes, uh, all of the students out there do require something like this. Uh, Thanks for your time. Thanks a lot.